Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass student Maura Murray drove from her dorm in Amherst, Massachusetts to the White Mountains of New Hampshire. At approximately 7.27 p.m., Maura spun out her 1996 Saturn on a hairpin turn on Route 112 in North Haverhill. There has never been a credible sighting of Maura since. Maura is 5 foot 7 inches tall. She weighs 120 pounds, and she has brown hair and hazel eyes. If you have any information regarding Maura's disappearance, please submit it to us, the Murray family at Direct at gmail.com, or the New Hampshire State Police Cold Case Unit. This is Missing Maura Murray. Welcome back to Missing Maura Murray. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing so well. How are you today? Well, I'm doing all right. And Lance, for this episode today, we are going to play the audio from our Get Vocal show from last Thursday night. We had a a real fun time um, trying to break down some stuff. We had some some guest appearances. We had Maggie Freeling in the chat room or actually on the on in the episode with us we had Brett from the prosecutors podcast in the episode with us joining on the get vocal show and Julie Murray was in the chat room yeah so this was our first missing more murray get vocal night that we were uh doing not in replace of the 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 gossip pods that we've been doing but it was uh time that we addressed certain things that were happening in the more murray community as a community so we knew that Get Vocal was the most interactive place to do this, uh, as well as the fact that it streams on Twitter, 
YouTube, Facebook. So you can you can access it from multiple platforms, but you can interact right there on Get Vocal. And we figured this would be the perfect place. And Julie Murray did join us. Um, and a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of, of people that we've never met. We yeah. we we hopped on and this 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 guy was there. He, he was only there as a user. So we didn't know his name uh, just by looking at uh, his profile. But no, he was fired up. He was ready to go. He was asking us yep. questions and uh, it was fun. And we and we packed that room. And it became a, a spontaneous, impromptu fundraiser for the GoFundMe that Julie Murray started, uh, separate from Maggie's GoFundMe. So now there's two GoFundMe's for more Murray, and Julie's is the active one. And we donated all of the V-Coins that came to us during that hour to Julie Murray's GoFundMe. Once we get paid out on that, we will send it directly to that account. And so obviously this is now our second Missing Maura Murray, Maura Murray episode in a row. We're going to be doing some more Maura Murray episodes uh, coming up, no doubt about it. Um, we do have an episode this week coming to you uh, on the Unsolved Murder of Dean Webster that's going to run on this channel. And then we also have next week a really interesting interview with Daphne from Going West, uh, who's got a missing person case in her family, actually, her her aunt or aunt. So uh, so that's coming up in a couple of weeks. But then we're going to get back to more Murray stuff because I think we're at a point where things kind of feel like information is coming out, doesn't it, Lance? Doesn't it feel like things are coming out right now? Well, to me, it feels like things are bubbling. P- things are simmering. They, the, you know, the, the, the pot is, is simmering. It's like you're looking at it, and it's just a couple more minutes before you get that full rolling boil going. And that's what it feels like to me. And there's always these like moments in between, these little lulls, these ebbs and flows. But right now, you know, we're at that, like... Which way is it going to go? We gonna is it going to boil over or or is it going to simmer down a little bit? Uh, I think it's our responsibility to make sure that it maintains that rolling boil because we're not trying to antagonize or solicit um, salacious material. There's there's information out there that is being uh, distributed and there's information that's being intentionally bent. And, and intentionally man, uh, manipulated. So we want to make sure that we just stay the course the best we can. Yeah. And great emails. Uh, keep them coming. And uh, we we can accept safe emails. We can keep your identity safe. So feel free to send us emails at the missing more Murray at Gmail account or our personal email addresses. That's fine. And uh, we wanted to address one quick thing about uh, we actually took down a couple of episodes and uh, they were episodes 96 and 103, and they both included Scott Wall. And uh, the reason we took them down was not because of the information in there or anything like that. It was really because of some, um, I don't know, embarrassing Twitter outbursts, I guess you could say, um, where he kind of sort of said that he was he never liked us and he was just kind of using us to get promotion for Mora and give us content and things like that. And I don't know, it just, it, it felt so disingenuous Lance that I just think it's, we, we need to distance ourselves from this person. Yeah. It's necessary because it, it wasn't just sort of him saying it, it was him showing evidence of stating specifically that he did not like us, you and I, he did not like the true crime thing. He didn't like the true crime community. He only went to crime con to be there with Julie 
as a as a supportive figure. And that was just one of the instances where intentional deception was shown to us by by this party. And by keeping the episode out there that he was in feels a little bit wrong because we don't know what he said in that episode to deceive. I mean, if you're if you're being deceptive and then you're putting out information and you and you do an interview and you and then you contradict yourself and you show you that you've been deceptive. I don't know. We got to go back to the drawing board on that episode and find out, okay, well, what else, if anything, he was deceptive on. So, right. It's not like a personal thing. Like we're upset that he doesn't like us. Um, we really don't care about no. that, but he acted like he did like us. That's the problem. And so, uh, we will actually put transcripts of these episodes out. Um, I'm thinking of starting a, a new Reddit account, Lance. And, uh, because I have been monitoring Reddit a little bit lately. And, uh, so I feel like I'm going to start a Reddit page and maybe just put these transcripts out there. And maybe just enter that uh, social media world a little bit um, because there is value in it and uh, there's a lot of talk out there, which is great. We want to keep the talk going about Maura Murray and what happened to her. And if you have any information, there are email addresses, there are phone numbers you can reach that are in the show notes. You can call or email the New Hampshire State Police. You can email the Murray family. You can email us. And also regarding the episode that we're about to play there, keep in mind, there was a chat room going. Julie Murray was in the chat room and there were other people in the chat room. So sometimes we will reference the chat room um, and things like that. And I I did see, speaking of Reddit, I did see that we were kind of accused of ignoring comments. Um, We did not ignore comments intentionally uh, on Thursday. There were so many comments, it was hard to keep up. And regarding... So there is one instance that comes up here in this episode, and it is about these three men uh, that Maura, Kate, and Sarah hung out with on the Saturday before Maura went missing. Um, was this known or not is a big question. I know some people are saying, oh, well, Fred knew that was Sarah's cousin, um, but I'm just so confused if that's Sarah's cousin and, and we knew that or Fred knew that. Then why are we? Why is Fred saying and, and Julie saying that we don't know the identities of these men? So I, I, I'm again still confused about this. Me too. I I don't know. I don't know who they are. I don't know why. Why information would be kept? I don't really. I don't know. I don't. I know that it's also not our uh, privilege to have all the information that's out there. So if there's information as to their identities and who knew who they were before someone else knew who they were, I, I guess is sort of irrelevant at this point. Um, I just don't know why. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm really confused why why this is news right now. Maybe it's the way that the information came about, and maybe that's indicative of information that came up, that is out there that people know about that haven't said anything yet. I'm I don't know. I'm just very confused. Do they have something to do with why she was leaving? Why she was going up north? I don't know. I don't know um, either. But we get into it a little bit here in. Uh, in this episode and then we'll we'll keep breaking it down again I, I mean i know that a lot of people are out there listening to the this show they want to hear more uh, conversation and so we are going to bring some so please send us your ideas your thoughts at missing murray at gmail.com and before we get to this episode tim you had mentioned that we are going to be talking um more about Maura Murray and the disappearance, but we also still will be continuing our work with private investigations for the missing and featuring cases that come to us by way of them, including the Dean Webster case, which will be coming up soon, uh, part two with his sister Sandy. So just hang with all of the all of the episodes because the information, no matter if it's about Maura 
or about a missing person or a, a cold case that PIs for the Missing is working on. It's all important stuff to hear. And Lance, on this date, 24 years ago, on July 16th, 1986, Octavia Ann Goolsby went missing from Greensboro, North Carolina. At the time she disappeared, Octavia was 5 foot 2 inches, 140 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. She has a scar on her forehead and a tattoo on her arm that read Eddie and E-L-R. Octavia was the mother of several young children. There's very little information about Octavia's story, so anyone with information should contact the Greensboro Police Department at 336-254-0462. Yeah, this is the best place to interact. So I don't know when we're going to open up these other two squares here, but probably we'll talk for a little bit and then we'll open up the squares. Yeah, we'll talk for a little bit and then we'll open up the squares. Prosecutor's podcast is here, I know. Um, I'm not sure who else is here in the chat room. It's it's large tonight, so thank you very much for tuning in. Um, yeah, we don't have all the answers. Just want to <laughs> start by saying that. We surely don't. Um, but we have been uh, working on the Maura Murray case with the podcast Missing Maura Murray for almost five years now. Actually, it's almost exactly five years, Lance. And uh, so Maura Murray went missing on February 9th, 2004 in North Haverhill, New Hampshire. Right about 7.30, 7.27, she, her car spun out. It was, she was a bl- driving a 1996 black Saturn on Route 112. And this isn't exactly the most rural route, Lance. I think when people start talking about this story, they immediately say, oh, White Mountain's so rural. And it's not, I mean, it is to uh, city folk, but um, it's not the most rural area in that area. And, and, you know, there were houses there. There were witnesses who saw her car spin out. Exactly. Sorry, I was just thanking. Sarah Turney just uh, popped in with a thousand V-coins. What? Yeah. That's- I think that wow. translates to $1 million, so thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> but, wow. <clears throat> yeah, so a little bit of detail on that. It's not the most, uh, I'm sure everyone here knows the details, but that road, Route 112, is the cut between or the go-between um, between the two highways there. And uh, if you were um, cutting through the mountains, that's where you're going. If you were to reach uh, a destination that cuts through the mountains, um, the Kangamangas Highway and the White Mountains National preserve reserve i can't <laughs> is there um but it's it's a pretty if if you uh are vacationing up in that area and you are heading from uh point a to stowe or Bretton woods or something like that then you would be going through there so it is traveled by tourists on occasion in february probably was a pretty big uh tourist season for skiing right yeah, usually is in that area. It's obviously a uh, a big ski area um, being up there in the mountains. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a weird thing um, that that she went missing on that road because it's sort of a locally traveled road. Road. I mean, if you're not a local, the only reason you're there is if you're vacationing. You'd say, right? I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah, I don't think you'd probably find yourself there. Um, just. Her chance, but uh, I don't think we've uh, said uh, a shout out to Julie Murray, who is in. Uh, if this is the Julie Murray, she is uh, in the chat room now, and um, I'm assuming that it is more Murray's sister. Julie, 
hello. And yeah, if you want to hop on, we will open this up momentarily after we get through, you know, some some uh, some details. I don't have too many more details to go over because that is kind of, I mean, a lot of the story starts before that. And then after that, you're talking investigation. And I don't know what. Uh, I mean, you want to open up the uh, the windows? Let's open it up. Yeah. All right. And, and people are watching out there on Twitter. If you're watching on Twitter, that's awesome. But click the link to join here because this is where you can interact. It's kind of tough for Tim and I to look at the Twitter notifications and respond to you there or on Facebook. Um, so if you want to actually interact, it's easier for us here in this chat room. Hey, it is Brett from the Prosecutors Brett. Podcast. How's it going? Hey, guys. It's going How great. Are you? How are y'all? Doing great. Hey, I'm doing well. Doing well. Thank you guys You're... for inviting uh, us on. Yeah, of hey, course. Anytime. You are exactly how I pictured you to look. <laughs> I, I, is that a compliment? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I say you didn't. You said you didn't want to do video, so I don't know what I was picturing. Well, I told I told these guys that you know Alice is beautiful, but I have a face for radio. So, but whatever, it's fine. Happy to be here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, Alice is actually working on the case tonight, so she couldn't be here. But wait, I is, I that, would is that Alice in the room here? Is that Alice over no, there? Al- Alice is here? not here. Oh, okay. Alice okay. is not here. That's another Alice. Alice. Okay. Another <laughs> Alice. So, but she sends her regards and her regrets. So. <laughs> well, you guys you did a great her. job covering the case recently. <laughs> Sorry, Lance, I step on your joke. Yeah, I got I got a slow. <laughs> <laughs> I've muted myself. <laughs> well um yeah oh go ahead no i was just gonna say tell us a little bit about uh your coverage of more murray and what that experience was like yeah you know uh, it was a case we definitely wanted to do i've been listening to you guys since i guess you got started you know red james renner's book on maura murray and i don't think you can do a true crime podcast without doing maura murray and we thought we could bring a perspective that maybe other people didn't have um with our experience or in the prosecuting world so it was something we wanted to do. We wanted to stick to the facts. We wanted to avoid the drama. We learned very quickly it's impossible to avoid the drama. Um, but, you know, I, I hope it was helpful for people. I hope people enjoyed it. I hope it didn't screw too many things up. Yeah, I don't think it screwed anything up. I thought I found it entertaining and informative. Yeah, and, you know, I just want to say one thing about this latest bit of information. Um, I, like you said, there's so many questions. We don't really know a whole lot about it right now. I would love to hear from James more. But I think... I'm glad people are learning new information and I want new information to come out, but it doesn't seem like this is new information. It seems like this is information that a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, but some people have known for a very long time and compartmentalized information in an investigation like this is bad. You know, all this information needs to be out there. If there's more information that people know that they're sort of keeping to themselves for some reason, they need to get that out there because I really believe in the wisdom of the crowd and unless we have that and unless all these folks here in the chat room can think about this and look at this, uh, I don't think we're going to get anywhere in this case. And we talk about FOIA and we talked about FOIA and why that's so important and why the family wants access to the information. It's for this very reason. Uh, but we shouldn't be hiding information from each other. And I, I don't know if you uh, previously said this, but you have the prosecutor's podcast and it's not just arbitrarily called the prosecutor's podcast. Uh, you and Alice are actual uh, prosecutors. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. Yeah. Can you give a quick background for yourself? So people, because you might start throwing out some legal terms and, and um, things that are going to fly over my head. So 
I just want people to know that you don't have like a thesaurus right there in front of you. <laughs> yeah, and if we do that, or if I do that, let me know. I'll explain anything. Because uh, no, then I'll yeah, be stopping so... you every single sentence. <laughs> so Alice and I, we've known each other for a while. We've worked actually in several different jobs together. Most recently as prosecutors, we actually share a wall in our office. Both went to law school a long time ago, done a lot of different things, seen the law from a lot of different angles, and thought we could bring all that to bear on these cases because I listen to a lot of true crime uh, and people, you know, sometimes you listen to a podcast and the podcast host will ask a question. I'm thinking, I know the answer to that question. You know, I wish I could let them know or, or whatnot. And so Alice and I just, we talked about this stuff all the time. And finally we said, Hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Let's just start a podcast. And that's, that's basically how, how this got started. This was a, this is a, a consequence of COVID. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, glad you're here on the scene. Um, I think you're you're adding something already to the mix. Yeah. And and like Lance said, I think you guys come with a, a professional background that obviously we can't match. We're just a uh, bunch of uh, jabronis. I mean, for no, real. Whatever. <laughs> I could give you some. Um, I could give you some insight on how to uh, properly structure a comedy murder mystery dinner theater, but probably not very useful in uh, in your world. <laughs> I wish we knew half the stuff you guys know about this case. I think the podcast would have been even better if we had. Well, when you when we spoke, um, I think it was last week, one of the first things that I wanted to tell you was it was so refreshing to hear that uh, point of view, to hear that point of view that you and Alice put out there in such a, a well-spoken, structured, articulate way, because sometimes... I, I'm not very articulate, and sometimes I hear other shows talk about other cases, and they're not very articulate with um, the information that they're delivering. But especially hearing information about this case that Tim and I have been so entrenched in and pretty much have made it our lives, uh, it was really cool to hear somebody talk about it in such deliberate, articulate detail. Well, yeah, and we have that perspective. Um but, you know, I would just say our perspective might be different, but I think everybody's perspective is valuable. That makes sense. I feel like everybody comes at this case from a different place and that perspective adds, I mean, just looking at evidence in a different way, you know, I mean, we talked about that, that, uh, the emblem on the, the Saturn and, and that may be completely irrelevant, but it wasn't like we came up with that because we were prosecutors. It was just different eyes looking at it. And my wife happened to drive a Saturn, right? So I think that's why the more people we can get involved and the more people who are learning about this case and the more welcoming the community, the more likely we are to actually reach some sort of conclusion. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting theory. You guys uh, came up with that at the end of, uh, I think, the fourth episode. You guys thought it could be likely about uh, Mora and um, Patrit Vasi, uh, which is a, uh, a young man who um, was struck by a car um, right around the time when Mora went missing. I think it was that Thursday night uh, before she went missing. And... Uh, and so he he was actually in a coma, and he uh, I believe has lifelong injuries because of this um, tragic accident. There were a lot of hit and runs. I don't even think he remembers that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that is what what was said about that. Right. Good point. Good point. There, there, that area, UMass, especially that time, was uh, just scattered with um, uh, hit and runs. That was a very very bad area. There was a lot of students who got hit. Not all of them were that serious, but. Patrice Bassey was hit and he did go into a coma with head damage. 
Um, and then he, when he came out, I think he didn't, I think he remembered just a little bit, but he doesn't talk about it because he just doesn't remember the rest of it. And it did happen, correct me if I'm wrong, it did happen the same night that Maura received the call that made her break down at her job um, as the, uh, the, as the checkpoint there at the, at the dormitory where she was walked back to her dorm by uh, Karen Mayotte. And there have been, you know, the theories go back and forth about like what that phone call was that she had. She broke down. Was it because of her sister? Was it because of this or that? And we've looked at the phone records and according to the phone records, it, it most likely was not because of Patrice Bassey because she wouldn't, he was hit after she was, well, th- that's the other thing. There are two different accounts there. So that that's why you can't just look at this and what makes the most sense, though, is that Mora was walked back to her dorm to her dorm before Patrice ba- Vassy was hit because he was hit after he left a bar and he was walking home and he probably left the bar after ten thirty. And Karen Mayotte's account, her, her original account, was that Mora received the call in the ten thirty hour. If I'm if I'm correct, I'm literally doing this from memory, so I could be wrong. <laughs> Now she said that on your your show, but didn't she eventually retract that information and say that it was much later? She did receive the call from her sister in the around ten thirty. There's no question about that. Right. Yeah. And on your show, she said that she walked into that dorm around ten thirty. But my understanding is later on, she thought about that again and realized that her time was off because she was thinking that the the dorm schedule for the weekday, not the weekend, and Thursday was actually the weekend schedule, and so Mar would have been there much later, and so it was closer to one thirty that she walked in and found her. Now. You guys know a lot more about this than I do, so I may even be wrong about that. No. You're right, though. I mean, if, if she was found at 1030, then, yeah, she didn't hit Street Pass. And, and you're right that there are kind of two uh, timelines regarding that, and I'm not really sure which one is accurate. And look, I want to just to correct one other thing you said. I don't think it's likely that she hit Patrice Vassy. I think it's possible, yeah. and I think people for a long time had sort of discounted it as impossible, and I don't think that's the case. And for anybody who's joining, we we decided that the V-Coins, if you have a V-Coin balance and you want to give some V-Coins, we decided that uh, everything that is donated, everything that's given here is going to be donated to Julie's GoFundMe for uh, the search for her sister, Mora. Throw those V-Coins into the hat. Hey, what's going on, guys? You're on mute, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going? How are you? What's up? You guys, I just want to say you guys have been doing a great job ever since the beginning. I really got, think you guys, your, your heart's in the right place. I just want to know, where, where's Bill? I thought he was going to be here tonight. Thanks a lot. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I do not know. I did not hear from him that he was going to be here. He might be here uh, or watching on one of the yeah, social I saw him post it on one of the things, you know, a lot of talk and a walk. Yeah, I would like to ask him about the voicemail a little bit. I mean, I, I really am confused about this entire thing. So, uh, you know, what, who knew when and what those questions exactly. are, I don't even know, to be honest. So we need some help breaking this down. Yeah. I think we answer a lot of those questions really quickly, you know? Yeah, I, the issue, I think, is we're not sure exactly how far any legal situation goes and maybe he should not be talking maybe his lawyer is telling him you probably shouldn't go on and say things i I, you know what i'm saying i i have no idea he's doing a lot of talking about everything really you know (laughs) so it's just kind of that's true he's ranting about everything else you know he might as well rant about something that uh, has some substance it could you know address a lot of the questions people have 
That's a fair point. No, I think he could um, he could come come out and talk about this uh, for sure because I, I don't know if he was waiting for us to do it. Um, I think it was kind of put out there like we we had information regarding this. That that is not the case. We do not. Um, we we were going to have Renner on who really wrote about this originally. Um, so yeah, it's not our story. You know, you guys have never tried to fabricate or sensationalize anything as far as I've seen. Thank you. The the way the timeline sort of worked with Bill was that we always put out there from the beginning that he had an open door policy to come on the show and to talk about anything. And we literally said to him, James Renner is saying some pretty inflammatory things about you. Feel free to come on the show to talk about those things and perhaps, you know, shed some light on that. And, and uh, some time went by. We received an email. We had a phone call, uh, a couple phone calls. More time went by. And just recently, in the past few months, we uh, had a, uh, had a few Zoom calls with him to to gain trust. He wanted to gain our trust, and we said that's fine. And we had a few Zoom calls, but our notes on the Zoom calls, we started looking at some things that he said before, and I mean, things weren't lining up. And we wanted to really ask him more detailed questions about these things that weren't lining up, and it really could just be someone misspoke somewhere along the lines, but. But Tim and I are trying to do the right thing with this show. And also there is a there is there is a trial coming up for him. That's that's not fabricated. There is a trial coming up and it's kind of tough for Tim and I to to have him on because the, the the it was presented to us. Hey, we should all do it. Prosecutors podcast 107 uh, missing more Murray. We should all do one together. Bill Roush is there and we should all get along. But we were like this guy's on trial. Like it, it's really hard for us to, to turn a blind eye to that. Like I can't do it. Tim can't do it. And so, so that's where that moral, you know, conundrum was. And then it all fucking blew up. Yeah. I mean, the last thing we want to do is take shots at people on Twitter um, or on the podcast. You know, I hope people understand that. That is the last thing uh, that we have any interest in doing. And we were pushed uh, past the breaking breaking point uh, on Twitter and with the podcast. And I'm sorry that it happened. Um, but that is what happened. To your point, yeah, Bill Bill was talking a lot, and he was really calling out Maggie, and he was calling us out that night. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't feel great about uh, that Twitter blow up, you know. But everything we said in the episode today is true. Um, and again, I don't feel good about that. I'm not here to attack somebody. That is not what we're here to do. But but yes, you're right. We need answers, and he could answer these things. He could. And you just you just mentioned Maggie, Tim. There was there was also some talk about how Maggie might have received some information or something. I'm trying to like get my head wrapped around it. That she was trying to that she had some information, maybe the transcript from the Oxygen TV show that was supposed to be kept confidential. That was never given to us. There's never been anything like that. We knew she had something like that, but she literally said to us at one point, like, if I pass this to anybody else, if anyone's eyes see this, my career's ruined. And and so we never asked for it. Uh, to my knowledge, James Renner never asked for it. So um, I know she just put a uh, a statement on Reddit about maybe maybe she told some people some some notes that she took about it, but we've never received anything anything in detail any any you know official document nothing it has nothing to do with us and uh as far as yeah like look at look at what a tv series is made from like how many people are a part of that there's dozens of people who have access to that and to to yeah yeah to 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 just think that it's like this 
little shout out to uh Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott to think that there's some dark triad that is operating behind the scenes that that <laughs> that, that were you know was part of the oxygen show is is kind of comical. All right, I'm muting myself again. I'm going to, I'm going on too far. All right. Well, do you want to go through these these uh, points as they happened um, chronologically? Well, hold on, I guess. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Armchair detective is in the chat room. We're not talking about David Aldridge, for God's sake. Relax. Relax, dude. Email us separately again. Yeah, and we might as well take the time to respond to him here. That that stuff has been out for a long time. Uh, he has emailed a few times about that. Um, but that's been out there. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. Um, okay, so I guess Renner's, Renner's blog post is what started this, right? Is what started the... Um, sort of confusion regarding this voicemail. And when I say confusion, like I'm genuinely confused with this. I'm not exaggerating. So so no one knows exactly what was on the voicemail, right? There's been no confirmation of what was actually said. Yeah, I've not heard anything. Okay, are we talking about the voicemail that was left for Bill when he went through security, the, the Red Cross voicemail? No, no, no. I'm talking about the, the voicemails that they listened to when she was missing. Does anybody know what's on those? Okay. No, no, not, not that I know of. Absolutely not. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. So just looking at Renner's blog here. So, um, and Maggie is, I believe Maggie is available to, uh, to hop in here, hop on video. Um, so we may. All right. I'll jump up. Okay. I just want to let you guys are doing a great job. Okay. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate appreciate the questions. Thanks a lot. Um, okay. So let's get Maggie on here. Um, and so, okay, so let's let's start this with with the the Renner um, blog post, and then we'll go through the Murray statement, and then we'll talk about Maggie's um, response here real quick, and try to try to make sense of, of what's going on. 
So uh, Renner says that one thing that came out is that Billy was allegedly able to access Maura Murray's voicemail and listen to a message from Kate Markopoulos to Maura that revealed Maura had cheated on him over the weekend. And here's a quote. There was a message from Kate, and it says the story, according to Bill, with the information from Kate, is that Saturday after they dropped off Fred, they were out together. The girls went out. Kate and Maura had some drinks. Kate is saying they met three new guys who did not go to UMass and were from the area. Apparently, they were all talking then, and at one point, Maura and one of the guys were gone. Bill asked Kate about this because one of Maura's voicemails was from Kate asking what was up with Bill and what happened with the guy the other night. That guy the other night. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't even because I don't even know like where that's from. I'm I'm so confused by everything. But uh, Maggie Freelink's here. What's up? Hi, Maggie? hello, I'm doing? here. Hi, Brett. I did not expect too? you to look like this. Oh no, I'm. I literally just got out of the shower. I was not oh. expecting to be on video at all. I was like, maybe I can get rid of video. <laughs> um, <laughs> hi guys. Hi everyone. Um, yeah, so so I just figured I'd hop in since I've talked with all of you guys about this. Um, yeah, I've always been really open with the transcripts. Um, you know, I know Dave Haas, who's in here, has always asked me about them. Um, and a lot of people, yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing is, is Oxygen owns any property. So they own videos. I know people have asked for it. I guess it's NBC or Oxygen. I don't know exactly who owns what. I would assume NBC, blanket company. Yeah, I don't have I don't have rights to any of that. I have it. It's my work. I did it. I worked this case for two years. I did all of the interviews, so I know what's in the transcripts, but I can't give them to anybody. And, you know, I know Julie has asked for them from Oxygen is where I directed her. Unfortunately, they won't give it to her. Um, they own them. I can't do anything about that. I have always said if anyone wants to ask me a question, I can control F. I can search I could scroll through, try and remember which interview it was, where it was. Um, so, you know, what I had said about Renner's post is that, you know, he asked me to find something. I found it and it was about this bill call. So that came from transcripts. That was um, some documents Art and I were looking through. And uh, yeah, I just read to him, you know, I said, hey, look, these are Art and I. This is what I found. Art and I were looking through some case files from Maura's friends, Kate and Liz, not... Um, her uh kate markopoulos her friend uh kate and liz from high school they were in the documentary i think i can't remember i think i they their interview i did with them made it to the documentary um but they gave us basically just like giant boxes of stuff and we were sifting through and sifting through for hours and this one transcript is art and i sifting through and we came across this one document that said the quote that um renner reported that there was you know, they wrote the week of, this was the week of, they had um, taken some notes. They were doing their own investigation as good friends looking for their missing friend. And that was that. And so, you know, however, Renner chose to portray it. Um, and then I also want to address the uh, the three guys, as I mentioned in my post, um, you know, when we came across that, of course, we looked into that. Um, that would have been amazing to have a new lead in the case like i said the documentary would have been much better less psychics more investigating um but as soon as we went to the new hampshire state police and said hey look we just found out there there are these guys at the party mora was off with one of them um did you look into this did you know about this it seems kate markopoulos did know about this um they said yes they found the guys they knew who it was the one guy mora was with was from boston alibi we were like okay cool we're gonna 
not really dive into that. It seems like the police don't really think anything of that. Um, and I called Art today and confirmed, yes, my memory is correct. That is what happened. And he's currently looking for the original document from Liz and Kate. That is their case file, which is exactly what they called it, um, that I can, you know, we can look at and see, you know, did it have a time? When did Bill check, you know, the voicemail, if he did check the voicemail? This is just what we read on their documents. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I'd love to say yeah. that made things clearer in my head. It, it, it made things clearer on how, how you had the information, but... <laughs> I mean, can I ask a I, question? Oh, please. Yeah. It seems like while we may not have known about this, that the Murrays did. Is that accurate? Like they, they have heard this voicemail. Um, I don't know that Julie's here. I mean, I think she could say that. I do know that um, Fred knew Mora was with this guy. Um, that I do know because I know that we had specifically asked him what did Kate tell you about that night? And I guess, and so I know Kate had like a private conversation with him and if, I, I'm assuming naturally Fred would never want to say, you know, more was with some guy. I understand he's, you know, protecting his daughter. So it does seem like Fred did know about this. So I guess from their statement, Bill's mom listened to the voicemail. Is that, is that it what seems the like that's says? what the Murray's are saying. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who listened to what voicemail. See, yeah. this goes, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I know all the dramas about where, who let who see transcripts and what did Maggie control F and, and who, who was doing what. But for me, if there are things that Fred or whoever is keeping from the community because he doesn't want his daughter to look bad. And I totally get that. I totally get that. I mean, I'm a dad. I would want to protect my daughter too. But if the most important thing is finding Mora, I just don't think you can do that. I think you know, you can't decide, Fred can't decide what's important. You know, he, he, he can't look at this objectively. And I think in the balance between protecting Mora and finding out what happened to Mora, finding out what happened to Mora has to win. So I just wonder, and the thing that this made me wonder was, is there more stuff that the family or Bill or Bill's mom or somebody knows that we don't know that if we did know, some of these smart people who follow this case religiously might be able to figure something out about. Well, I will say there is a lot of stuff we came across that to not upset anybody we didn't publish. We tried to keep it pretty PG. Well, I mean, that, not, not to interrupt, but I'm sure that happens for every single production that's done on every missing person or every cold case. Because, I mean, no one's a, a friggin' saint, right? I mean, there's going to be something that comes up. Of course. And that's, that's the thing we, we can't, you know, we, we decided, you know, in this particular documentary, like I said, you know, we were really just trying, this was the first chance to get an, an actual national audience on this in the form of a true crime documentary, six part series. It hadn't been done yet. We wanted people to come in this case and we know it brought people into this case for sure. A lot of people to the case. And that's what we were trying to do. We didn't go into it thinking we were going to solve it. Uh, I don't think we thought that, I mean, at some point maybe we got a little naive and thought maybe we would do that. So we did decide, you know, what information is going to be in it. You know, does her, when the police tell us this guy has nothing to do with it, does it make sense to add in, oh, she was cheating on Bill? If she did, it's it's unclear whether she actually 
did be with this guy or not. We just know she went off with a guy. Is that worth it to put in a national documentary, go down that rabbit hole when the police said this guy has nothing to do with it? I, I wasn't my decision. The, the producers made that decision. Um, you know, so. I mean, I guess if the police said they, that these guys have nothing to do with it, right? Yeah, I called Art this morning and checked with him again. He said, yeah, we tracked that down. I do remember the guy was from Boston. I know that I know that because we kept trying to think, you know, maybe they were from New Hampshire. I remember we did look at like look into these guys and the police were like, don't waste your resources. And Julie Murray just said in the chat there uh, to clear up. My father did not and still do, does not know who the three men in question are. He never he's never spoken to any of the three men. Armchair, if you keep acting up, I swear to God. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I, th- that's really compelling then. That so then Fred, Fred and the Murrays do not know who these men are. I guess I don't know if anyone knows who they are, but I know Kate told Fred that she was with a guy. So I don't, I don't know if Kate or Moore even knew. I think I went to UMass. We all just go off with random people. It doesn't mean you know the person. I think they were visiting. Clearly, the guy. I think he was visiting from Boston. So I think that's what it was. They were just visiting. Um, yeah. Is one of these people the cousin, or is that a completely different set of people? Yeah, I don't remember. I think that could this could have been the cousin. It was the dorm party. It's crazy. You know, I I looked into this all three, four years ago now at this point. So I just know what I was reading in the transcripts. I was asked to control F, look for something. I read verbatim. So that's why I said I know what Renner wrote is factual. I remember reading these documents. Um, What they mean, I don't know. And Julie Murray just said uh, the attorney general Strelzin stated no one has been cleared, myself included. That's true. I mean, we don't even have this is still it's still a missing person. Yeah, that's a great point. So then so then the identity of these these guys we, so then I guess we're trying to find the identity of these guys. Is that what we're saying? Then I would not. I don't personally. I'm not going to attempt that. I know that the police did believe that they had alibis. So I don't, I am not going to do that. If someone else would like to find them, I think you'd have to talk to Kate Markopoulos. Yeah. So, if she even knows who they are. So does that mean Kate was holding back at, at one point or am I going a little too far with this already? No, I've always thought Kate told the police everything. And I think that's how they found these guys. Okay. And I the guy is in, I think the guy is in Boston the day she just, you know, like, I don't think, uh, I don't know. I, my personally, I wouldn't, I'm not going to look for them. Uh, Julie just asked you, Maggie, if you know their names, can you give me that info? Like you gave Reno Renner, the info you provided him. I don't, I absolutely do not know their names. And I said that in my statement today, the police never gave that to us. I don't think we even asked for them. Our art art was the one in communication. And when I called art today, he we don't know who they are. Hundred percent, do not know who they are. Hmm. And Kate would, Kate would. If you have a line to Kate, she would know who they are. And, if she knew, if she knew who they are, I don't know how the police found them. So Kate might have known. And that's exactly the kind of information the police would never share with anybody. Of course, of course. That's what. That's what I mean. They never gave it to us. Art, I don't know if Art even asked for it. That is a great question, Armchair. Why are we talking about this? How is it tied to her disappearance? Well, we have to look into everything, and, and there's information out there, and sometimes information comes up. After you've been looking into something for so long and you get new information that's confusing, you, you want to c- sort of suss it out and, and come up with the, you know, just 
spitball ideas, workshop ideas, figure out like, is this important? That's what we're doing. Yeah. And look, and this is complete. Yeah, I know. And it, yeah, I was just, no, gonna... I was just going to say, that's what art and I did going through these documents. And then we followed it up and art and I didn't think it, there was much to it other than, you know, a bunch of high, a bunch of college kids getting drunk, going off with a guy and, I thought maybe she was upset by it. I always thought maybe this man assaulted her is what I always thought. Um, Maybe that could have been something that happened. Maybe, you know, she just went to talk and something happened and that's what could have upset her so much was always a question that I thought maybe happened. Uh, Jake actually has a good question. Why can't Kate and Sarah give those names to Julie? That's what I just said. I just wanted to Julie's response. I said, I assume Kate and Sarah would know. Um, and yeah, Art's still Art's looking for these documents. I don't know if we even have them. And he believes these are shareable because the, the documents given to us by friends and family were not property of oxygen. So if we do get this uh, case file, as Kate and Liz called it, um, Julie, I'm happy to share with you if you want to email text. Yeah, I think it's kind of strange that we haven't heard from those guys right i guess but you know you're probably going to stay the hell out of it if um if you could potentially be implicated in in a way like that even if you have been cleared but now again i'm i'm confused if if art and and i guess they're saying the police strelzen are saying it's cleared but i i that sounds conflicting to me no one's no one can clear anybody until she's found the police don't put stock in them is like the correct terminology you know these guys had alibis one of them's in fucking boston the day she goes missing the one she was with is what i know okay and can i just say if they're three random guys they're three random guys if one of them's kate's cousin all she has to do is pick up the phone and call her cousin and say hey who are those two guys you hung out with i forget where the yeah i forget where the cousin thing came from that i don't remember but and and just on why this might be important, she would not be the first person to meet somebody on a weekend, kind of fall head over heels with them and say, hey, let's have a rendezvous, you know, in the White Mountains. You know, I mean, sure. that's complete speculation, but this could be important. We just don't know. And guest 8080 said not Kate's cousin, Sarah's cousin. Okay, well, ask Sarah. Sarah should know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I believe that is uh, someone referenced that is kind of all over Reddit it, as a fact. I, we as far as I know, I, I mean I don't know about that. I I know it's on Reddit as a fact, but I don't really know if it's true or not. Okay, so the uh, the Murray statement here, they said that the truth is that the week Mora disappeared, Sharon Rausch contacted Sprint to gain access to Mora's voicemail in order to assist law enforcement with our family. Uh, and and our family with the ongoing search. It was because of this effort that our father reached out to Mora's college friend and learned of the existence of the three men Mora was introduced to on the Saturday night. Okay, so he so Fred apparently uh, learned of their existence and this story, but not their identity. Okay, but who did he hear the story from them? If it's Sarah and and her cousin, how would they? How would that? I think Kate, because I, I remember asking Fred, what did Kate tell you? We all knew Kate told Fred, talk to Kate. And when I had a, my five hour interview with Fred, it was certainly one of the things I asked him, um, you know, what did Kate tell you? Well, I was just saying, you know, and whenever I told Julie, I couldn't give her the transcripts, you know, myself and the producers all said anything you want to know, we'll tell you. And everyone's known that. I mean, the information in there is my work. I did that. I, I'm free to share information. I can't share transcripts. So anyone who wants to know something, Renner took 
Renner took advantage of it and said, hey, you know, I need, I want to know something about this. Right. Okay. So so we know that they listened to the voicemails after Moore went missing and accessed that information and passed that along to the police. The police were able to, or at least uh, Fred was able to talk to... I don't think we know if who listened to what when. Right. Or when you say they listened right, to. Right, right. Good, good point. Yeah. Okay. Shannon. Murray's statement yeah. says that the mom listened to it, right? I mean, isn't that what it says? Yeah, Sharon Roush uh, is is Bill's mom. Which is, I want to know how that comes because the notes from Kate and Liz say Bill listened to a voicemail from Kate that said, hey, what happened with that guy the other night? So maybe Sharon listened and related to Bill? But Bill heard this voicemail. I mean, <laughs> According to the friend's notes, Bill knew, Bill was aware of this voicemail that said, hey, what happened with that guy the other night? So I think the best sort of, you know, Pro Bill, I know that's dangerous to even say. Way to look at this would be Marta disappears, she listens to it, Bill listens to it, and he just hasn't shared it and doesn't want to share it for the same reason that Fred doesn't want to share it because he doesn't want to make Mara look bad. It's fair. I know that's why Fred didn't want to talk about it, and Fred said that, and that's fair. It's your daughter. You're not going to want to put that on national TV. We didn't put it on national TV. We did not put this on national TV. Okay. But now if we were to find out somehow that he had accessed it before she went missing, that's a bigger story, but obviously we don't know that. That's definitely a big, a different story. That's a much different story. Sarah claiming that she slept through this whole party is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That's the least believable thing in this entire case. Yeah. I mean, maybe she went, went off with someone too, you know, and just wasn't there for anything. Who knows? I don't know. But you know, yeah, it's, it is weird, you know, that, I mean, we've been talking about this party or whatever for years now. Um, yeah, and Sarah's a weird I, She always falls off the radar. Everyone talks about Kate. What about Sarah? Right. Okay. Uh, and I forget it. I, I forget, Julie, if you've tried to reach out to them, but it's just so strange that these people will not speak to you. Is that the, is that w- w- what the situation is? That they won't speak to Julie? I don't think they have. I don't think they've spoken to Julie. Julie says Bill's mom was the account holder, so she had to request access before they listened to the voicemail with law enforcement. And uh, we know Bill has told us that they printed out um, their phone records via the same way and provided them to the police while the police were waiting for uh, the subpoena. So one thing I remember from way back in the day and in cell phones before some of the people on this chat were even alive... um, is, is you could, in addition to listening to the voicemails on your phone, there was a number you could call. It was like star 86 or something. You, you dial star 86 and it, it asked for your account number. Or in, and your account number was your phone number. And you type in your phone number and then it would ask for your password and you could listen to your voicemails. So while I'm sure it's true that his mother had to get, you know, had to go to Sprint to listen to these voicemails, I don't think that necessarily means that Bill would not have been able to access it if he knew Mara's password. Who knows if he knew that? Right. And then how would we know if it was a new voicemail or not, or had been listened to, right? I feel like there might be no way for us to know that at this point, you know? Now I'll say this. The fact that he was on the phone with Kate the next day is, is always struck me as strange. I said it was strange when we talked about the podcast. I mean, Maybe I'm weird, but I've... That's why I personally believe, I think he heard this voicemail and called Kate and was like, what the fuck is this about? And that's how the notes made it seem. That he he was aware of this and called Kate and said, what guy was she off with? 
potentially. And only Bill can answer this. He's always said he never knew Mora cheated on him. So who kn- we don't know. Yeah, you guys brought up a really interesting point, um, Brett, in your in in one of your episodes where um, you were going through some phone records and, or actually, no, I'm sorry, I think you were going through Mora's actions before she left for uh, for the White Mountains, and she had actually her and Bill spoke on the phone after the accident with the Toyota. And that was that was a couple of calls, I think a 15 minute and then a five or something. And then so that was the last time that Bill and Mora spoke. Bill had tried to reach Mora a few times. They hadn't connected in, I want to say, a day and a half or something like that. And then she called him back and he was apparently on the other line with Kate Markopoulos and didn't click over. And then he immediately called her back, I think, four times in a row. I may be wrong about the exact number. Uh, and she didn't answer. She just sent the email, the text message, or whatever. Or I guess the whole like, "Love you, stud." Or maybe that was an email. I don't know. And the whole th- that whole that whole interaction to me was was weird. Yeah, I'll have to look at the records again. I I uh, am not really quite sure about it, but yeah, that that seemed like that could be an interesting moment because it does seem like that she made a decision at some point during those minutes. Right. She was searching for where to go. And then all of a sudden she was taking money out of the ATM and and buying liquor and going. So and and she didn't book anything. We know that. So what happened in that time to make her decide I'm now going and not only I'm going, I have a destination to go. So I wonder if someone knocked on her dorm door or called her dorm phone and we don't know about that. Um, the other thing I always found interesting, and I, I talked about this in my interview with Erin um, Murphy, her friend that uh, she dropped off her clothes to. When I talked to Erin, I also don't remember if this was in the documentary, but um, she would have been the last person to see Mora if she had answered the door. And Erin always felt really kind of distraught about that. Mora knocked on the door and then Erin didn't get up from her bed and when she went if the clothes were out there so it's just interesting to think also of her mindset it wasn't like she wasn't trying to see somebody either she knocked on Aaron's door and possibly would have had a conversation with her possibly would have stopped and talked to her you know so I I really always thought that little bit of information that Aaron told me was really interesting and Maggie um I think you may have been the one who told me this I don't remember when Aaron talked to Mara on the phone before that we said, and I think this is true, that Mara was upset even at the time and was sort of crying. And Aaron asked her if everything was okay. And she said, no. And she asked, what's wrong? And she said, you're my sister again. The same sort of thing that she had said yeah. earlier, which I always thought was interesting as well. Yeah, I do believe Aaron said that. Um, yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know what my sister really was about. I think we've all been kind of re-questioning whether, you know, what Kathleen told me would have really set her off that much. I know, Brett, you and I talked about that. So I think that's still quite interesting. Julie Murray here in the chat room says, oh, uh, my dad was not informed about these men uh, further than what he has said, and he wants to talk to them still to this day. Did the police inform him, or was it just from uh, her friends? I'm curious if the police mentioned it to you guys at all. Okay, well, yeah, we only really have a few minutes left anyway, but uh, this has been a good conversation. Um, I really, uh, I really appreciate everyone joining us here today. We're trying to unpack this, make sense of, um, the latest, the latest, uh, news in the case. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's really hard to say what, what's news sometimes and what isn't what, you know, you really have to kind of hone in on what the important details of these, 
new blog posts, these new, new podcasts, all these things, these things are, you know, it's hard sometimes you need to talk about it. Yeah. I think, I think this whole question of, is this new information or is it not? It seems like people knew and it seems like, you know, it's information that the community can now dig into. Julie wants to know who these guys are. I think there's resources out there to potentially find out. Yeah. I mean, look, we could keep someone's, we could certainly keep their identity pr uh, private. Um, you know, if, if anyone's out there, I mean, how could you not be interested in the case if, if you're one of those guys, right? Like you're unaware of the documentary and everything. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we know that here's the thing though. It's like Brett was saying and like, you know, working closely with law enforcement in, you know, my career, your career, they, they know the identities I'm sure. And they're not going to, they're not going to release that. I mean, these guys might honestly might have nothing to do with it. And, and to put their names out there is it could potentially ruin their start lives. Guessing names? Um, <laughs> you hey. know, start, yeah, just start wildly guessing names. Who knows? Could be right. We just go through the alphabet. Um, no, I mean, if if someone you know knows anybody like or wants to contact us who was a part of this, you know, obviously we would not put your name out there. Um, if you want to talk to the Murrays, you know, that is that is that would be great um, because that would be additional information. That you know, it's it's strange to me that we haven't heard about that in whatever 15, 16 years, and haven't heard about, like from those people or that that ever actually happened until now. Yeah. They might not even know, you know, like, you, you know, I watch so much true crime stuff. It's like, uh, actually, I was working on a case the other day where, you know, this guy is in prison. He's wrongfully convicted and his alibi witness had no idea until 10 years later. She writes to the wife and goes, oh, actually, I saw him that night. You know, they might not even know. Yeah, I mean, we're just in the middle of it all, right? So we just think that this is the world and this is what everybody knows. And, you know, there's somebody out there in like North Dakota or something who's like, what this, this is going on now. Oh yeah. I remember that. Actually. That's so funny. Someone made a point. If the cops talked to them, they would know that's a good point. Or they might not know she's still missing. Right. They might not know she's still missing. Right. But I'm, I'm really uh, glad that this all happened tonight. Julie Murray just posted the um, website, miss uh, Maura Murray org, And that uh, direct email to her, um, so yeah, you can you can reach out on that website and this has been really amazing because all of these people are coming together. They all support they all support you, Julie, and your family. And hopefully this is the foundation that is needed to most of these people want answers and, and a lot of the I'm I'm sorry, every everybody in here wants answers. And I think most of them have the right way to go about doing it. Sometimes people don't go the right way. Sometimes people don't go about it the right way. Um, but their heart's in the right place is what I'm saying. Thanks, armchair. You know, you're, you're, I'm warming up to you now. I'm warming up to you now. Thank you. Oh, everybody. Yeah. Wow. That, Look at everyone coming Hour has just flown by. Is there anything else uh, anyone wants to hit on before we uh, we wrap up here for the uh, – wow, thank you, Elise. The crime yeah. Wow. Thank you. The V the V coins are just flying. Going in. Richard asked, honestly, Richard, I really found yeah. the friend the friends, the friends information the most interesting. And that that was this information that was shared um by Renner. These girls, you know, at the time college girls did so much work looking for their friend, and this information is fresh from back then. I mean, there was something in the transcripts about her Kate 
Kate and Liz talking about Bill looking for engagement rings. I mean, I, I hadn't really known much about that. So, you know, there's a lot in, in their information and, you know, so that's what I think is in the transcripts. Is there a, a second, uh, second most interesting thing that you can think of off the top of your head? <laughs> really putting you on the spot here with this one. <laughs> Not no, no, <laughs> no, okay. not really. All right. Well, yeah, oh, we, oh. we should revisit that, though. Yeah. Uh, Shannon saying Amanda is begging for the GoFundMe link. We keep saying this GoFundMe. I'm so sorry because I've been talking and stuff. I haven't been able to put the GoFundMe link in there. Um, we'll, we'll get that up. Everyone hang tight. That GoFundMe link is about to <laughs> go up. Uh, we we answered that about there Cecil you know. though, um, and again we didn't put that in the documentary because we didn't want to put his um, personal life on blast. Again, um, he had Alzheimer's. He's very ill, very very ill. Right. So you know we knew that when we did the interview, he was gracious enough to do an interview with Alzheimer's, and I think we had to think you know. This guy might not even know what he's saying. I, you know, I don't know. He he has Alzheimer's. It was it was definitely a precarious situation, and that's why uh, Strelzin and Chuck, I believe, sat in on it. Yeah, and the fact that he was turned into something that he shouldn't have been turned into is really upsetting. When when that happened, he 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 committed suicide. He shot himself, and it's incredibly tragic, and really really. Uh, heart-wrenching and infuriating to think that people would put online that he might have killed himself because he knew something about this. The guy was tortured because he didn't know anything about this, because he didn't take it as seriously as he should have taken it. And he wouldn't have known to take it as seriously, because when does that ever happen up there? So he wasn't being an alarmist when he found the car. He was just dealing with the situation that he's probably dealt with a few times in the past. And this one just turned into something that he had no idea was going to turn into on top of the fact that he's got early onset Alzheimer's that rapidly developed into him shooting himself twice. Like not, not a good situation. And anyone who, went online or, or went to the public and said that this could have been a reason, you know, he had something to do with it and they were closing in that, that that's fucking bad because nothing happened. Like no one closed in on him, but people got impulsive and they went online and they said, this is it because they wanted their thing to be right. Yeah. I think the good point is armchair says he killed himself a few hours after asking to do my podcast. Imagine being the first person on the scene and for 15 16 years people are continually asking you about something you yeah. don't know and now you have alzheimer's and you want to just fucking die in peace and you don't know anything about it nightmare yeah absolute nightmare you know yeah. if he had just not been on duty that night he wouldn't have had to deal with all this crap for the rest of his life but he did yeah so yeah it's really, really i just bad. don't think i i just don't think an officer like who's who's you know taken an oath turns into a cold-blooded killer all of a sudden like while they're on duty you know what one i mean time. like i know just one I, time i i know like joseph d'angelo was a cop and he obviously ended up being the golden state killer so there's something about that personality type that could be i don't know potentially prone to that kind of career um but I, I just think that's so far-fetched to assume. And Dr. Sh- Dr. Shiloh says uh, GSK was a cop for a hot second, which is exactly. true. I mean, Cecil, that was in his blood. Like, he did that. He he rose the ranks. and right. He was know, not I mean, GSK was a serial killer, too. It wasn't a yeah. one-off thing for him. 
right. Cecil Smith, Cecil Smith or Bruce McKay weren't fired for stealing a hammer. Is Jake and uh, Folk Stop the same person? Did you guys research together? Because you have very similar ways of uh, delivering your information. Reach out separately. Let us let us know. One of the things that one of the biggest problems in this whole thing is that people hold on to information, and then when Tim and I do our show and we deliver misinformation then we're attacked for that like we don't know what we're talking about and that creates a big problem so if you have information let us know and then we can all talk about it uh someone asked how renner knew to ask me what was in the transcripts um because everyone's always known i've had the transcripts this has been a huge deal for years yes i have transcripts of the show that i did and the interviews that i did all right everybody thank you very much for joining us here tonight on get vocal more murray nice Wow. Thanks, guys. Community coming together. Let's do it, guys. (laughs) All right, everybody. We can do it. Thank you so much. When a person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization, Private Investigations for the Missing, because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter, Brianna, disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.